Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is one of our, well, let's just call you regular panelists at this point, Fraser. I think uh, <laughs> you're on often enough now that we can't cut, keep acting like it's a special occasion uh, when you show up. So we welcome <laughs> freelance writer, PC Games, owns, PC Games Ends' own Fraser Brown. Hello. And we also welcome, for the first time, freelance writer, Brandon Caldwell. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. It's a little early in the morning for me to be podcasting on my second coffee. It's 9 a.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, I've been up uh, since like 7.30, but, you know, it's all for the show. It's all so that we can keep a at least somewhat regular schedule. Um, and tonight I will be firing this off to our producer so that he can whip this into a, a listenable product uh, all in the space of a day because he works miracles. So today we're going to be talking about Uber Entertainment's Planetary Annihilation, a game that uh, I previewed a couple years ago when the Kickstarter was announced, and I didn't track very closely after that. It was a game I was very excited about in prospect. In practice, uh, I did not like it very much at all, but I find that opinions seem to be all over the map. Um, if this were... You know, in in some ways, I seem to be the most negative on the game. Uh, Fraser seems to be our middle case. But uh, I'm actually more interested in hearing from you right now, Brandon, because you actually really liked the game, and I read your review on Rock, Paper, Shotgun. And uh, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about, first of all, what uh, Planetary Annihilation is, and then uh, what makes it special in your eyes? Uh, sure. Uh, well, Planetary Annihilation is basically just a... Uh, it's kind of a StarCraft-like RTS, with the twist being that everyone's on a globe... Uh, that spins around, you can be, go all over the globe in a kind of Mario Galaxy uh, kind of sense. Um, and you could, like, often you find yourself entrenched on a planet and your enemy is on another planet, and the end game ends up being a kind of uh, uh, ludicrous, using these ludicrous super weapons to try and get the other person off the map, uh, basically, to destroy the other person's commander, kind of in a supreme commander kind of way. Um, except you're not really relying on. Uh, units in the late game a lot of the time you're relying on these big things like smashing planets into other planets or um, yeah using moons as weapons and uh, using these big space lasers and different nuclear missiles it's all very uh, like over the top kind of cartoony uh, RTS Yeah. I don't know I guess what makes it special is that I, I feel like it's difficult for me, um, like a lot of RTS, uh, but it feels the 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 theme fits the kind of uh, speed at which you play, and it's all about expansion, and that's like true of any RTS: is go out and get things and be aggressive. Um, but I think the theme particularly fits it very well, which is basically all self-replicating robots that keep growing and producing more of themselves until the other person is annihilated. Yeah, it definitely is uh, very over-the-top and a little bit silly. I think the fiction actually is that uh, this is kind of the AI apocalypse, right? Like, these robots were created by humans to continue, like, human wars. And now all the humans are dead. The humans managed to kill themselves off. Uh, so now you've got these vestigial AI armies, uh, basically, um, just sort of running from planet to planet, stripping it bare, and continuing uh, these rather ridiculous wars. Gotcha. So, yeah, you know, I find it interesting... Um, you know, you used that you you called the uh, you you called the commander unit the supreme commander, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, if that was a shout out to, of course, the supreme commander series. Um, have, have you have you uh, had much time with those games? That that's what I mean. Like when I when I said that, I just mean like the 
it 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 is it takes a lot from supreme commander i think uh it takes it yeah. takes you know your one unit and you destroy the other unit to get a victory and stuff like that um it takes it takes like the skill the 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 the, the amount of units you need to do any uh to do any large scale skirmishes and stuff like that uh, um um, or just just making sure you know you know where the other player is and what they're doing at all times, um, but I mean like it it, it it takes a lot from Starcraft as well I think in terms of how fast you need to be. Yeah, it's definitely a very fast paced game. Um, now, now Fraser, you were you were a little less I- admiring of the game, and one of the things I think you I think mean, I think one of the lines in your review was that you felt it was pushed out the door. Uh, a little bit. Can you explain, uh, like, you know, why you said that? Yeah, so obviously it was an early access title. Um, and I was, you know, I, I felt quite good about it when it was in early access. I saw a lot of potential there. But then uh, I I got the, the final version, and it still felt like it was in early access. I mean, you start the game up and you're presented with a YouTube video in the game uh, that's an introduction and you uh, you can't escape it um, and it's really just it's very shoddy and then instead of getting a sort of traditional campaign tutorial or or anything or like a sort of uh, a library of, of, of skills and tactics that you can employ you've got on the sidebar twitch streams and more YouTube videos and it sort of feels like that's the those are the sorts of things that you would see when the game hadn't been finished. It was like leveraging the community to teach people how to play instead of actually having some sort of campaign that shows you the ropes. And then you get to the uh, Galactic War, which is the, the single player <laughs> campaign. And it's not a campaign at all. It's a, a quite barren... A galactic map where you just jump from world to world and get into a lot of similar battles yeah. um, and it just felt like that was not ready yet there was something there sorry no i was just saying i think i think what you're saying about the galactic war thing is totally fair like that that does feel like it's a you jump from planet to planet and it's kind of like it's not even it's not even a good game in itself that kind of galactic map where you jump from system to system and you co- either collect you collect tech or you start a fight basically a lot of the time you end up in a fight where you don't have the tech to match theirs just based on complete chance and luck yeah um and it's it's yeah, you get like a silly. loadout it's it's really yeah. I, I get why they did that because with the lack of a tutorial there's no way to really or not, or not a real tutorial they did actually have an official tutorial video that's again just a youtube video and not only that it was one that was that's basically identical to the one they made for the alpha um which is like it's like obviously you need to provide more information than you did to alpha players i think i'm more forgiving of like the twitch and youtube stuff because i think that's kind of like the audience they're going for is this i feel i feel like uber looked at twitch and they know that it's getting big and huge and esports getting more big and and i feel like that's what they're aiming for um and i think i think they do hit the mark maybe not in as big a way as like starcraft 2 maybe they're like you know but i feel like they've designed that for a generation of people who 
don't want to sit through an in-game tutorial like the Supreme Commander 2 tutorial, which is really annoying because you can't skip what the lady is, what the electronic lady is saying to you or whatever. But people who are happy to try the game, try to learn the game on their own, uh, on their own two feet, and then look up on YouTube what their, uh, you know, like the the more technical aspects of it, like the hockeys and stuff. I mean, that's what I did, and uh, I felt like it. It was it was a bit obtuse, like you say, like a tutorial is sometimes helpful, but after a while you get it, and I think that's what a lot of people do now anyway. For any game, is they if they get stuck, they don't go into like the help menu in the game. They just all tab and look up something on YouTube. You know, I'm I'm of two minds about this because I had the same reaction that you did, Fraser, mm-hmm. which was kind of like. Are you kidding me? This isn't a real tutorial. Like this is this is this is terrible. Um, and like stop like promoting Twitch streams in my face. Like I want like actual tools to help me learn this game, and um, you know stuff like that. But I but I have to admit, maybe that's a generational thing. Like this is sort of well, this they're they're kind of aiming for like the way we play games now. And I think Uber Entertainment, uh, you know, from their work on a, you know a game like Monday Night Combat and such, probably have a better sense of what uh, you know an online focused audience uh, really wants from a game and they wanted to give those tools uh, to, to make it easier for people to to stream and uh, upload upload uh, video content from their game however what I don't like is the feeling that to give something to this audience something was taken away from everyone else um, and, that's exactly and I think- the feeling I got to yeah, and that's and that was kind of my frustration was that I I don't think it's incompatible to be like, well, you know, here's a here's a traditional tutorial where we're going to step by step take you through how this game works. But then if you don't want that, here's a quick uh video tutorial where a couple bros are going to tell you about how an RTS works. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let, let's not kid ourselves. It's a pretty broy tutorial video. It's a very broy tutorial. <laughs> it's like, then you're gonna, then you kills command. Planet Annihilation is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was very over the top. So like, and there and there's things in like there, there's things in the game that you badly badly need to explain. Like how the fuck. Does the transport work? Oh yeah, area commands. And actually, someone <laughs> made that comment in in my review. Now I I knew about area commands and things yeah. like that because I'd gone and I had to ex, you know explore it myself. But that is a major component of the game. I mean, you cannot win a match against a human player. You can maybe do it against the AI, but you can't do it against a human player unless you know these sorts of like abilities. They're basic things and the game does not tell you how to do it and no. i think brendan you you mentioned starcraft 2 a couple of times and i i think it is an interesting comparison because starcraft 2 is massive for when it comes to like streaming and videos and esports you know yeah. hugely competitive yet at the same time you could play that game without delving into videos and Twitch streams and just play a campaign and you still have a completely fulfilling experience and it doesn't feel like you're actually missing something. Yeah, um, but I, I think when I was comparing it to it, I was comparing uh, the, multi, the, the pressure of both games when you're playing oh, yeah, a multiplayer and match. The speed. But I think it's still it's quite interesting to look at them both because 
Blizzard have done a really good job with making it feel modern and like it's attracting uh, that type of player while also still catering to uh, you know more traditional players as well. In Uber's defense, though, Blizzard are able to do that by throwing money at the problem at yeah. a rate you would not believe. It is right? a little like, bit unfair I mean, to expect Uber to, to have, you know, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like Blizzard has gone back, and uh, you know, the, like, you know, the campaigns are obviously these, you know, multi-million-dollar affairs <laughs> with just like ridiculous cutscenes every five minutes. Um, it's it's absolutely insane, uh, and and then they are able to sort of they've gone back and they've they've invested resources in sort of retconning in better tutorial content to teach people the basics of uh, controlling the game and even more advanced skills. That's something that not everyone everyone can match up with. But I do think, like, you you do need to cover your bases. And I, and I brought up the transport thing because you're absolutely right, Fraser. Like, that is a crucial... Uh, that is a crucial part of the game, and it actually works very counterintuitively. Like, if you are just flailing around, I don't think you're going to figure it out. I didn't. I had to look it up. Do you mean... Uh like picking up people with your orbital transports and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. But also selecting like multiple like because at first when you don't have the knowledge of the tools that you have at your disposal, you are just selecting one transport, flinging it around and or like just it, it it's not like the, it's not easy to get a massive force and put them on another world unless you have like No, it isn't. you know knowledge of the hotkeys and things like that. No, um, I I agree. Like the the the, tra- the transport thing is is bizarre in a way. Um, but I think it's like uh, it's there to create a chokehold uh, between players and like I think yeah, the game could be made a bit like it definitely could be made a little less obtuse. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like maybe that's a problem with early access and and the pressure on developers sometimes when they make an early access game to just sometimes just get it out and get it done uh and to have a you know a release a launch date you know to have version 1.0 um and i think early access is like probably the 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 uh the scourge of a lot of game developers uh more than a lot of people realize but uh i feel like i feel like i i, I can always forgive those that kind of obtuseness once I get past it, um, okay, I think once you get past that and you look at the transport issue, for example, that does create these weird um, stalemates. And they're, they're, for, I can understand why for some people that, it's hugely unenjoyable to be entrenched on one planet while your enemy is entrenched on another planet and you're either racing to make nukes and you don't know what the other person is necessarily doing on the ground because maybe you don't have a you know a, a unit that lets you, like an orbital unit lets you see what they're doing or something um but for me uh i enjoyed the moments when i had there was this slow build up and a stalemate and it was just a it was just a an attempt like i i had to attempt three times or something to get a unit onto a planet without it getting bombed straight away. <laughs> that can um, be quite a lot of fun. Like when you when you're getting you know, maybe taking a couple of fabricators to another world yeah. and you're like, okay, I'll build a star. Gateway. Gate. Yep. So and then it like, just gets blown out of the water, yeah. So you just do that like ten times and then you're like, screw it, I'm building a giant engine and I'm gonna smash this <laughs> world into the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the, that that happened like it happened to me uh 
I was playing again last night, even though I vowed never to play it again because it was so hard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was playing again last night, like almost to refresh myself for this uh, discussion. But uh, I tried three times or something to get um, at like a like a foothold on an enemy planet, and it kept getting blown out of the sky or blown out of the ground. And I realized, right, shit, I'm just gonna have to adapt here. And I took like I basically stopped production of a lot of things and just built transports and filled them not with fabricators but with anti-air stuff and just had this like tw- 25 it's usually the air stuff that gets you because they're able to just get to the point where you've landed so quickly so quickly yeah um, so i i basically with the the strategy but it, it it's it's nice that it caused my strategy to shift and instead of just putting down one or two orbital units with fabricators with the builder dudes on it to to pump out a teleporter, it was never going to work that way. So I had to land a bunch of anti-air stuff all around one or two fabricators to protect them, basically, and it worked. Like I mean, the 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 computer scarpered after he realised it was getting shot to pieces, and it couldn't concentrate on the fabricators, uh, and and it finally worked, and it was a huge scale invasion, and it felt really really good to finally punch through the steel mate, if you know what I mean. Um, I can see why, for some players, that's annoying, um, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm strange. No, I, I think I think in the design DNA of this entire series, uh, Stalemate runs pretty deep. Like, I remember vividly all the way back to Total Annihilation. Um, what I loved about Total Annihilation was it was one of the first games that really embraced turtling. Like, yeah, every every game had fortifications and defenses, but, like, Total Annihilation was the first game to let you build a ridiculous long-range howitzer where each shot could just, like, club down, like, 20 units or destroy an enemy building. And so if you had built, like, a battery of those, like... And a lot of games <laughs> ended up this way, where you had people building, like, just, like, rows of these, like, long-range guns supported by, like, anti-air to keep them safe... Uh, and then you're just like trying to bash down the other side. He's firing howitzers back at you. Um, you're both like building like you know um, uh, radar jammers to block each other's uh, detection. So you're blind firing in each other's bases and just sort of hoping to weaken each other up enough that uh, your your top level units can get through. I loved that stuff. I absolutely loved it's it. It's very World War One. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. The name was the, one of the one of the units in, in Total Annihilation was actually called Big Bertha. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was basically a robot World War One, right down to the fact that um, the battlefield would get all screwed up as attacks went across no man's land, right? You'd have wreckage everywhere, um, and so your attack avenue, after the first wave went out, was completely jacked up. You know what I mean? Like, you, you were just, like, robots climbing over over dead robots trying to get to the enemy line. So you get, like, mowed down even more in what's turning into these horrible choke points. God, that was a good game. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, but I think that's sort of continued throughout all these games is that they all, because they give you such fun, uh, hyper-destructive toys to play with, uh, there's always going to be a tendency for a little bit of stalemate because I think part of the fun of these games is to be like, well, hell with it. You built a better mousetrap. I'm going to build a thermonuclear mousetrap. Uh, and, and that's kind of how these games play out. And at least this game does have a few more opportunities to co- sort of shatter that stalemate insofar as um, what you can't do in like Supreme Commander, for instance, is go hijack a moon and uh, you know, pilot it in 
yeah. to the planet uh, that you're currently stalemated with the guy on. Um, as long as your commander is elsewhere and his isn't, you win. Yeah, I mean, like, even with things like that, it's it leads to ridiculous situations where you're trying to where you're trying to destroy the engines on a giant planet before the planet reaches you, and you're like, because you've you've left some people on the world that they're launching at you, um, and it's it's nice that there can be moments of sheer panic. Like, um, I remember one game I got into where. It was basically just became a nuclear exchange between planets, and we we couldn't get onto each other's planets, and it was just just nukes flying, and anti nukes going up, and it was it was real DEFCON stuff. It was like, <laughs> where am I where am I building my next anti nuke? It needs to be like very it's very important where I build my next anti nuke, and whether it gets done in time for their next nuclear missile to be done in time, and it's just like it's an, it's it's literally the arms race of the Cold War just yeah. happening. Um, and I, I, I like that, like, I, can, the, I think, like, there is a problem in the, uh, or maybe it's not a problem, but I think that it substitutes, like, the uh, choice and the breadth of units in other RTS uh, games, say, like, uh, maybe Supreme Commander, where you get those experimental units, or the big things at the end, you know, uh, like the flying saucers and all that. But it just supplants them with this overarching planet smashing uh, total destruction game which mm -hmm. is just it's a race and that's why it's all about speed um, I think it's like it, it's like I can't tell if planetary annihilation is a sprint or a marathon because it takes both speed and stamina to keep it up <laughs> do you know what I mean? and like both it's very exhausting because you always have to be on. Yeah, you can't just turn away or take things slow, even for a second, or you're yeah. behind in the race. It can be hugely, hugely stressful, um, which I understand isn't for everybody. I wouldn't recommend playing Planetary Annihilation for more than an hour and a half at a time. Um, but uh, for that hour and a half, you, like, I have a lot of fun. See, here's here's I think where the game kind of started to lose me though uh, a little bit. There, there's a couple reasons for this. The first is that I feel like a lot of the things I enjoy about this game I've actually enjoyed before, um, and in a format maybe I liked a little better uh, in the Total Annihilation and Supreme Commander games. Um, I I still I I would still say that I think by and large Supreme Commander uh, is a is a is a better game. Uh, there's there there's simply more to it. I like it. It provides more tools for managing all this chaos. Like the interface in Supreme Commander had kind of matured up to the point where it could allow you to handle all the managerial tasks that a game like this throws at you. Because the battlefields are so gigantic in games like this, and the rate based economy is so dynamic, um, and so much of the game is just about making sure that you are out macroing the other guy you know that you're you're yeah. winning the production battle all the time you're more efficient all the time and i felt like supreme commander gave me more tools to make that work it gave me more tools to control the chaos of this kind of game on top of that 
I would also say uh, that you know between you know the multiple factions, uh, the the different sort of experimental units, uh, the the way the the late game had had a lot more personality. Uh, I think between in terms of the conflict between the factions uh, was something I really liked, and I honestly found it a lot more uh, readable a game. And part of that was just due to the fact that um, the 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 art style was a little more. Uh, traditional than you find in um, Planetary Annihilation. Planetary Annihilation has a really cool uh, like cartoon style that I actually really like, but I've never found it particularly readable when I'm staring at the battlefield, like what unit does what, like how are these things interacting with each other. I found it a little easier in Supreme Commander. But the, uh, the, the big thing... And and it took me. It, it was a slow sinking feeling as I played this. As I played Planetary Annihilation, was that I realized, as as nifty an idea as it was to be like, I'm going to take that moon. I'm going to build a bank <laughs> of giant engines on it, and I'm going to fly my moon into that guy's planet and destroy it. As cool as that was, the flip side was that playing on these spherical battlefields that were separated by an entire solar system meant that keeping track of what the hell was going on in a given game was just an absolute nightmare and you could say yes that's part of the challenge it's it's part it's definitely part of uh, the the uh, you sort of your your actions per minute skill and you, you know your effective actions per minute you got to be setting your cameras to what are the most important points on the on the battlefield that you can you can be checking out uh, you got to use the picture in picture which is a very cool idea for games like this I absolutely loved the picture in picture but the bottom line is that I never felt like I could actually get a view of the big picture. Uh, because the if you're zoomed out to the solar system level, you literally can't see anything. Like there's there's no detail there whatsoever. Um, but if you're looking at one planet and trying to manage that, first of all, you can only even see a fraction of the planet because it curves <laughs> away from you. And so like the front line is sort of shifting over the horizon as you're trying to queue up your reinforcements and send it over there. And at some point, maybe the battle wraps around all the way around the globe and you don't even notice. Um, but it was, just, it was just this constant feeling of fighting with the idea that this game is on all these little plant planets and moonlets. That started, that was cool at first, and then it started to drive me absolutely freaking crazy. <laughs> it kind of makes you realize why these types of conflicts are usually turn-based. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with multiple worlds, uh, it seems, it, it makes more sense when you can actually, you know, you're, you're paused all the time, <laughs> and you're able to then just get all the information you need. And, and in general, I think that Planetary Annihilation's problem is information, not just in terms of battles, but like tooltips are just dire. Um, <sighs> and information on units and what your commander can do is just rubbish. It is very difficult to really like feel that you you you're not the commander. That you've got, your little dude is the commander, and he might know things, but you don't know it. Uh, <laughs> it kind of feels you just kind of, you know, trying to find your way around in the dark, um, and it can be very frustrating. Yeah, I, I feel like um, what you were saying, Rob, about the uh, 
the the planets like and and that being a, like an obstruction to to knowing what's going on. I think it's fair because even you know, I like the game, but I find the most frustrating times would be whenever I was uh, going between planets and then when you go around them just using the arrow keys uh, without kind of going into any more like uh, uh, the different camera uh, moves you would lose your sense of direction quite often yes um and like that that um very like often i i would miss the chance to get something through a teleporter or something because i couldn't find my teleporter because i got lost on my own planet um and i feel like that's that that's a problem um but i feel like what what the amount of planets uh what the interplanetary side of things brings to the game is this uh, is this kind of extra level of uh, of 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 decision making? And by that I mean, like, if you land on a planet, uh, you don't necessarily know that the other person isn't on that planet as well, because you get to choose at the start. They could be on that planet, or they could be on a different one. So you have to you have this race uh, like against uh, a potential enemy who you don't even know is there. To, f- to scout the planet that you're on immediately and find them. And if they're not there, like that, you need to find them or, or know that they're not there before you start making any really big decisions, like whether or not to build, uh, say, an orbital stuff. Because if they're on another planet, you're going to need that. Um, and you'll start building that a lot earlier than you would if they were on the same planet. If they're on the same planet, sometimes you won't even bother with orbital at all. Um, so I like that. I like that you need to... It is a game about information, like you say, Fraser. Uh, but I, sometimes getting that information can be hard between planets. Um, but when you've got it, it, it leads to... It, the race for that information is like kind of what drives the decisions that you're going to make. And whether or not you can... You know, you're going to put all your stuff into bombers or whether you're going to put a load of... Uh, or whether you're going to launch to another planet to get the metal resources on it. And stuff like that. I like that your your moves in this, like the moves I w- would be making in Supreme Commander Two. Um, I haven't played a lot of Supreme Commander Two, but the moves I would be playing in that uh, would be like small scale. I want to get that mass uh, deposit. I want to get this mass deposit, um, and I want to you know make sure they're down quickly. In Planetary Annihilation, I find myself going to deciding between which planets to go to. Landing on one, going, oh, excellent! There's not even, there's nobody here. I have a whole planet of metal basically to get, and if I get all of this, I know that I will have an incredible advantage in the game. And it's like that kind of huge skill uh, swing in a battle is is really really appealing to me. And you don't, I, I don't find that I get that in uh, an RTS like Supreme Commander. Um, but maybe it's just because I haven't played enough. I don't know. I think it's fair to say that Planetary Annihilation allows you to change your fortune in a very dramatic fashion. Like you can be really behind in a game, and as you say, you, you go to a planet that hasn't already got enemies on it, and you find, you know, just not just all these resources, but all the space to build another base. And maybe you're going to decide, oh, I'm actually going to turn this because it's a moon into a weapon or a Death Star, you know, or, uh, or or just build nukes everywhere. 
and, and suddenly you're back in the game. And I do like how it, it, it allows you to uh, to quickly change your fortunes. But at the same time, uh, I feel that it, like I think you mentioned in your review actually about when you, you felt like you're playing against machines. Um, when you were playing against other human players. And I felt the same way, uh, because I think a lot of these people have been playing since the game first came out in alpha, and they know everything. It doesn't doesn't feel like I I was starting a game fresh, or I was, but nobody else was. Um, And that did make it a little bit more difficult to uh, change my fortunes, because other people were just taking over planets so damn quickly yeah i think i think it's like um i don't think in in the amount of time that i reviewed it i i don't think i won against a single human player um and i don't think that that um, I think like i don't t- even f- the only times i won were when it was obviously other completely new players who were just as crap as me but i still think yeah, i won th- mostly through luck <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, I was looking. I was looking for those guys. I was looking for other people who were new, and I would go down. Like one of the faults is fair enough. You go into uh, the servers and you press, "Oh, I want a casual game against somebody," and you see it's like one v one casual game, and it's like a little smiley face, and you go, "Oh, here's someone," and like looking at that, that that seems like that's gonna be a nice slower paced kind of <laughs> let's get to grips with this game kind of game, and you go in, you play with them. And they just trounce you. They're just like walking all over you. Like I, I, I went into a game like that, and it was a guy, and he he wrote in the chat, "Oh, I haven't played this game in a week, and like I've only other played it. I've only played it that one other time. So you know." And I was like, "Perfect, right? This is going to be good for me because we're both getting the grips with this." But he just like I I don't know what he was on, but he just walked all over me. Like within twenty minutes, the game was over. <laughs> There's there's a couple things like you know I think it's, I think we all have forgotten because matchmaking is so common I think we've forgotten how to navigate servers in some ways like there's a long sorted history of the noobs only game right of where it's people just inflating their stats being like yeah hey just casuals come on in we'll learn the game together it'll be fun like, you don't <laughs> you don't need to be good don't worry don't worry it won't hurt a bit you'll enjoy it and, and then of course yeah they're just they're just farming newbies. Uh, that's that, that's that's sort of an old trick, and I wonder if maybe that's what you ran into. It could be this is an old like you know Supreme Commander veteran, because uh, you know so much carries over uh, that if you've got yeah. grip on this kind of game, and there are people who are just good at RTSs. I, I will say like <laughs> I don't know what the, what this says about the game. Like in in the um, in multiplayer, some here bigger maps. Like I had one game where I was like pretty much annihilated right at the start. Like I started on the plan on a planet with another another uh, player, yeah. and yeah. I just got I just got rolled. Um, so the last thing I did, um, it's like it's sort of a, a bad sci-fi movie. So the last thing I did as my base is being overrun is I open a desperation gate to a distant planet. Um, and like flood my commander and all my surviving fabricators and units through it, and then uh, shut the gate down. Like everything's overwhelmed, destroyed, and I start anew um, on a different world. And I am seemingly forgotten. <laughs> like, like it was it was a big game. Like there was a lot going on. 
Do you think the but guy like, just thought he actually killed you and that you were out and just hadn't wasn't well, really well, paying no, attention? No, because it was because it was a big game though. It was like it, it, it was it was like six people in this game, so there were like yeah, like he and I were fighting on that one planet, and then one of my allies was landing on that planet, and like all hell was breaking loose, right? So I think he probably just got his hands full elsewhere. Yeah. And I was sort of left to chill out on this planet. One of my allies eventually sort of landed and started building his own base. Uh, but fortunately, I had enough time to get a lot of the metal and uh, resources and stuff. Uh, and so, you know, I actually entered this weird kind of dumb late game uh, as basically a nuke factory. Um, I wasn't really, <laughs> like, able to contribute much uh, to the rest of the battle. But I was just sort of, um, you know, spamming nuclear missiles uh onto enemy bases and uh, c- contributing that way but it was it was it was weird because like it, it feels like this is a game where you can you can be uh forgotten and i think part of it is again it is so difficult especially like the more the bigger the map and size in this case basically means just how many uh planets and moons are there going to be in this game yeah and the bigger the map um the more there is to keep track of, like it actually is, you know, it, it's not like in again going back to like a more traditional type of RTS, like a Supreme Commander. If you have a large map, that just means more of a playing surface. But you zoom out, you can still see like all of it. You can pan around a little bit and, and still take it all in at once. Each new world you add in planetary annihilation is this entirely different thing you've got to manage and monitor that requires a lot more like attention figuring out what the hell's going on over there. And the bigger the game gets, uh, the more overwhelming that gets. And it doesn't help, I think, that a lot of the planets will be functionally identical. Uh, this is, I think, especially true of, like, moons and stuff. Like, if you're on a big map, yeah, you might have sort of the Terran world with the beige gra- beige terrain and some grass and uh, and some water. You'll have, like, the volcano world, whatever. But then you might also have, like, a lot of identical gray spheres uh, that are they're just moons out there. And keeping track of which is which and, like, which is the moon where the big fight is going on? Which is the moon that you were building the giant engine to turn it into a missile? Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. And you end up hopping back and forth. I think that 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 becomes a a much more challenging task and it doesn't surprise me that like players are for, forgetting uh the the you know there there's other people out there sometimes yeah you you definitely do need to like i find myself whenever i'm playing in a map of uh three planets say i'll i'll be able to remember the the planets by their name uh and by their like look but if it gets over that yeah i'll start to struggle and not really understand that I'll have to click between them very fast just to have like a brief like snapshot of what is what is happening there and go oh that's the planet with loads of um like destructo bots running around the surface um oh that's the planet with all the planes oh that's the planet with whatever um and it can get it, it, like it can be a very overwhelming game at, it, it, at any time it can be overwhelming for a bunch of different reasons because it's uh, obtuse to begin with and because it's uh because it's uh it, it requires a lot of speed and urgency when you're playing it um but it can also be like hugely rewarding when you finally do something right and even in those moments whenever like you say rob when you have to abandon your post go through a gate and make this last ditch escape to like a faraway world 
I love those moments. Like the same thing basically happened to me in one game where I started another planet with the guy's base was incredibly close to mine and I didn't get my uh, factories up and running, like uh, pumping out units quick enough. Um, but I for some reason had an orbital <laughs> base already built and I thought, well fuck it, everything here is going to hell and I just picked up the commander with a transport and just flew him to the moon, to like the furthest flung moon in the system, like so far away. It took me like probably nearly 10 minutes in game for the for the satellite, uh, for the orbital transport to even make it to the moon during t which time my enemy was building like up and up and up and up and doing everything he could. Um, and it was like a 2v2 game, so what eventually happened was I landed on my planet and I was like you playing this weird late game where I couldn't I couldn't do much, but I was like building what I could and like I didn't really feel like I had a hope of getting back in the game and contributing very much. And then my ally shows up uh, and instead of like, I don't know what, I don't even know why he's there, but I see him building something and I think it's a factory because it's still like before I know exactly what's going on in the game. I think he's building this factory and I'm like, well, that's cool, let's back up as long as he's there. And then, all of a sudden, the computer gives me this alert, like, you know, um, and what is it called? I forget what it's called, but it's like the thrusters engaged or whatever. And I turn around and look at the f look at the factory, and it's not a factory, it's a huge thruster, and it's, <laughs> it's driving my planet towards the enemies. And I'm like, no, no, wait, wait, what are you doing? This is, this is where I live? <laughs> you can't, you can't do this to me. And, and he's like, no, it's fine because we're gonna win because I'm still on another planet and like your sacrifice is gonna be, is gonna win us the game. Like he can't stop this from happening. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, it's nice like the, the awesome. dumb, dumb strategic things like that happen where you have to make this, like these huge big calls um, like, oh yeah, well, it's all right. We'll sacrifice one whole player to destroy you know, the enemy that's left, basically. Um, and, like, I like that... Uh, it's funny, but I like that... Uh, I like that that kind of... That kind of tactic is is an employable tactic. Did you feel like the, um, the planets were a little bit bland, though? Because, Rob, you mentioned that a lot of them in each game would be, like, the same bloody mm. moon almost identical but i find even planets that weren't actually the same planetary type were functionally identical for the most part you'd get the occasional sort of valleys and then maybe you'd get these tiny stupid oceans that most people seem to ignore um but there was no real geography to them they were just very flat and dull that actually, I think, is another thing that sort of ended up leaving me very cold uh, was that there's a couple things. One is that when you've got part of it is the fact that none of these planets are, are all that big. So what ends up happening is that um, except on the largest planets, you can literally just walk around the other side of the planet. So like if there's a choke point, right? Like well, it's not a real choke point because you can basically just like, okay, I guess I won't attack along the Arctic Circle axis. I'll just go around the equator, flank him, and uh, just bypass the entire choke. And that's kind of like, you know, that's 
Except on a few maps, all the terrain is kind of rendered irrelevant by the fact that uh, space is is kind of wonky in in how it works on these planets. And the other the other part of it, I think, is there's just there's not enough terrain variety. Like forests have like no like forests are just a, a sort of a bit of graphical diversity. Uh, they're just next to like you know a different a different sort of art. It's nice when you can set them on fire, but again, there's yeah, it not. Cool. Oh, yeah. it, it doesn't That's... really matter, does it? Yeah, you guys can just beeline through a forest. Uh, they are like, robots. It's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, fire is scary. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's so yeah. Things like forests don't matter, and like there, there's a little. There, traditionally, in in like the Supreme Commander and Total Annihilation series, there's a little more diversity in terms of terrain. There is mm-hmm. there is more of a sense that like you know. Um, you know, height uh, mattered, choke points mattered. Um, there were like distance proper wasn't... mountains and things like that. You would have to go around, and there's there's very little of that on the little worlds in planetary annihilation. They exist, but not that much. Yeah, and I'm, and boy, the the navies just like I am <laughs> bemused by navy. the navies. <laughs> They're so pointless. I. I so rarely saw anyone use them, and I whenever so, I did, I, I had my I had like... my ass saved by a couple navies. That's oh, the really? thing. By and large, I agree. I think the navies are weird because there's often like because the maps are randomly generated. There's actually going to be a lot of maps that generate where there's not a single good ocean, um, and so you'll end up with these like <laughs> these navies. Like it's like launching a battleship into a pond, right? Like it's just <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like. You know, well, we just built the HMS Dreadnought, and we're going to use it to dominate the Thames Estuary. Um, you know, it's... On the other hand, I thought, like, okay, this is really dumb, until I had this base sort of tucked alongside a pretty decent lake ocean thing. It, was, it wasn't it was bad. It went around, like, you know, a quarter of the planet. And I was like, I was still like, it's dumb, though, because people just walk around this ocean. Yeah, uh, they or can just fly, fly over, over the ocean. It. It's yeah. not going to matter. Uh, but the thing is... Um, as in, like, you know, Total Annihilation, Supreme Commander, the navies actually pack a lot of punch. Like, there aren't oh, a yeah. lot of units in the navies, but if you put up, like, a couple missile cruisers and a couple battleships, they're actually more effective than most of the fortifications you're going to build. Uh, because they are rapid-fire, low-energy overhead. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I've had games where, uh, neglecting, uh, huge bodies of water, um, was my undoing. Like the the there was a there was a map that generated that basically half the planet was uh, water and I was like, well I'm just getting to grips with this I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna invest too heavily in that and I don't think like the, you know the enemy commander he's somewhere around here but I don't think he's like there the enemy commander ended up being almost entirely aquatic <laughs> and the 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 punch of the the artillery and the ships is it's it's got great range and it's got like heavy heavy load and if you're anywhere near that body of water if you're based anywhere near it then you're just it's such a it's such a hard thing to deal with um it's such a hard thing to counter uh but yeah like the, the fact that that that's some like a minority game i feel like that happened to me twice um, and the rest of the time, like you say, they're pawns. And I, th- I think it's fair when you say that there's not a lot of variation to the planets. The variation comes like in how much metal's on them, whether you're going to invest going to them at all. Um, the, 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 there's the geographical elements of the planets, like the huge cracks and the canyons and stuff. They don't add too much 
of an obstacle to you if you're on it. Um, and I think that's a, that's a genuine complaint. I feel like if they could add anything to that, like a mountain that you couldn't get around, uh, like you said, Fraser, then that would be that would make the game. That would definitely improve the game. Um, but I can't like I can't fault uh, I can't fault the game for for not investing in uh, huge oceans or navies or anything like that because it does when the procedural generation does its job. If you know what I mean. Well, does it though? But yeah, that's what I think. When it does its job. Yeah, sorry. I mean, it, you, it you guys said about finding you know planets where it's like half of it was water. I think I found a few where it was maybe quarter of of the map was was water. But I would just like not build my base anywhere near it because I was like, I hate these stupid ships. It's um, a wise move. And I I just but so many just didn't have. At all, and you think like the, you know the planet Earth is like three quarters water, um, so it it seems that the procedural generation is maybe a little bit weird. Um, although you can also build your own systems, which is quite cool. Did either of you guys faff around with the the planetary editor? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually like customize anything or, or or go into that detail because I was almost too afraid to. <laughs> To put put my put my creation out there and then have someone come along and destroy me on my own ground. I just built a lot of Death Stars because you've got the you know the metal planets, yeah, um, which were quite cool. Um, I, I, that's the thing. I like the aesthetic of it all. I like the way the planets look. They kind of look like they're molded out of clay, which is quite nifty. Um, but yeah, just there's not enough uh, variety in in what they can offer in terms of strategy. So. Yeah, I I also I also quickly learned that building walls. I don't know why they. I don't know why that's included because it's completely pointless. <laughs> it's like a waste of. It's almost a waste of time. I I never. Any time I build a wall, it was just like this fruitless waste of resources. I, did you guys find like that that it helped or? So the way I ended up using walls, uh, and I actually I saw a few other players doing this as well, is yeah, you don't build like wall. It's not like city walls around your base. Yeah, right? you do it to protect like energy things, I guess. And and well, and yeah, dark. but also, you know, those like choke points that aren't really choke points. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I'd end up doing with uh, the walls is basically like you get those those little like you know canyons that like form little choke points. So what I do is basically whenever I had a huge like open section like where there where there were no like natural barriers, I would build a wall to create a series of chokes. Um, and the walls were just durable enough that most of the time people would either get stuck outside the wall or they would funnel into the kill zones. Right. And so I didn't find them totally useless. They became a decent way to sort of take those wide open, like, table-like expanses where guys could just march their armies around and shut those down a little bit. Um, and I saw a lot of players sort of using walls that way. Uh, the open triangle design seemed very popular uh, online. But yeah, it, it, I'm not going to. I'm not going to stand here and say yeah, it was brilliant because uh, you know it really wasn't. <laughs> um, I really like Supreme Commander is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm in the same boat. Not so like, much Supreme Commander Two, but the first Supreme Commander was just bloody wonderful. 
I even like Supreme Commander too. It's um, fine. It's, it's just, I mean, it's it's not as full as no. rich as like Forged Alliance was by the end. I mean, I, I played it because other people were, and I wanted to keep playing Supreme Commander. Um, I, I kind of felt like the with Supreme Commander 2, they made the experimentals a little too easy to get to. Like, I know why they did it, right? Because you want to, like, oh, those are, the, those are the things everyone saw in the screenshots, right? But if you're playing Supreme Commander same 1, reason, you wouldn't see them every time. Like, it's the same reason it's pretty easy to turn a planet into a weapon in Planetary Annihilation. It's called yeah. Planetary Annihilation. It's not... I mean, even though that's an endgame tactic... It's pretty... I find myself turning moons into giant, like, you know, uh, planetary destroyers pretty quick, like in 15 minutes, you know. It doesn't actually take too long to get the massive amount of resources if you're kind of left uh, to your own devices. Like in that sort of... that that big game that you mentioned where you were, were left alone after escaping to a new world, it really is just plunking down enough... Uh, uh, what are they called? Metal extractors and and energy collectors, and and you're good to go. It's not that difficult to turn a planet into a weapon. Uh, and I can understand why, because the first thing you see in the trailer is, or like any sort of screenshots, is planets being destroyed. So you want to get to that cool bit. Yeah, although it's kind of cool, but at the same time, I kind of didn't like it. As much as like, okay, I'm just not wild about an end game situation where you can basically take your ball and go home. <laughs> it's 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 a sort of win button, but there are ways to counter it. And yes, and it, it there's some intra- It kind of creates interesting situations. Like after you get over the spectacle, because it is really all about spectacle. Um, it it still like leaves uh, kind of creates these crises. Like I I I used to, you know, when I'd find out that there was a an engine being built somewhere, I'd freak out. And instead of trying to say destroy the engine, it would be more like I was hunting down the enemy commander in a last ditch attempt to destroy him before that engine could be finished. Yeah. Uh, because it seemed maybe easier than assaulting his like massively fortified base. Um, and it was just, you know, it, and and there were times that it was almost finished, and I was fighting, and it's just whittling down the commander's health, trying to destroy all the units around him, and it just it really gets so close to the war, and it, it it's really exciting. Um, so I think it's better for the situations it creates rather than the actual ability to destroy planets. Um. You mentioned the massively fortified base and everything. That's the that's something else. Again, like going back to the theme of this feels a bit pushed out the door. And I actually really would kind of love to know what happened here. Because it does feel to me like they were heading in a good direction with this game. And then they just kind of pulled the pin. Um, and I'm not entirely like that's that's just complete speculation. I have no inside information whatsoever. But like, you know, the lack of tutorial, the fact that uh, Galactic War seems like there's a cool idea there, but it also seems like it is this prototype half-assed thing that exists. It feels like it's an alpha, not even beta, yeah. because it's beta. Generally, you think that most of the features are going to be in place, and it's all about. I mean, it, beta means different things for different developers, I suppose. Yeah. But there's a general assumption about what a beta means, and I don't think that Galactic War feels like it's even reached that point. It's so empty. 
No, and like, yeah, and, and you, like, what's the point of putting you on this huge str- strategy map, strategy map, where there are literally <laughs> no opponents? Um, like, nobody is playing the game against you. No, you're you're visiting worlds, uh, and maybe you'll encounter on a world someone else, but there's no, there's no like conquest, is there? You're just, it's like you're on a holiday. Actually, it's like you're, um, if one of the Pokemon trainers going from gym to gym to find out who's the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's maybe an interesting idea. Like, we've seen games do this, right? Like, wasn't it Dawn of War? Was it Soulstorm? Uh, Where you got the territory battles? That was, yeah. That that was the standalone, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you you got stuff like that. Um, That was cool. You can have stuff like uh, the the Rise of Nations campaigns where you're kind of moving around a strategy map and mm-hmm. there's this idea that you're playing against things. Here, yeah, it's just like, well, off to the next system. And you just like, you know, <laughs> completely stomp someone. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the Galactic War thing seemed like such a cool idea because what it, it is kind of neat to think like, oh, you can only play with part of the tech tree, so how are you going to play your faction now uh, because you don't have access to the full weapons? But there is, but, if, but you know, the first problem is the AI is laboring under some of the same restrictions it looks like, but has no idea how to handle it. Um, the AI is pretty good in skirmish, but in Galactic War, a lot of times, like, you know, it seems like, oh, it's an air-only AI. And so the commander, like, the enemy commander builds a couple air bases, builds a few extractors, and then starts, like, starts wandering the map alone, like Kane or something. <laughs> like, he's just like, hey, what's this commander doing out completely unescorted? And then you just mug him with a bunch of robots, and the mission is over. Um, and, yeah, there there are times when you just don't have the gear you need to play on the map. Um, there was this really bleak mission I had where... Um, I had no orbital technology. Uh, I mean, I could build the very basic orbital stuff, like transports, but the AI I was playing had the orbital interceptors, all the orbital, like, defense shit. So whenever I sent transports over, they just got, like, shattered. Um, I was sending kamikaze waves of orbital fabricators over, trying to get a gate down uh, quick enough that I could begin warping onto his planet and uh, tearing tearing it up with ground units. Could never get through. Like, there was just a cloud of orbital interceptors. It was hopeless. Neither of us had um, thruster tech, uh, so nobody could, like, fire moons at each other. So the game just literally turned into missile, like, missile spam. Uh, and it just came down to I had more, I had more planets under my control. Um, so it it was like it was a ninety minute game, where forty five minutes was me building power plants to fuel additional missile silos, and then just waiting for missiles to finish. And it was kind of cool. Like I mean, just like watch like blanketing a planet in like nuclear fire is pretty badass. Like it's it's pretty neat. And watching like the anti nukes like rocket upwards to intercept. It's it's kind of cool. Uh, but like. It was like Galactic War was constantly full of those really inconvenient asymmetries that weren't so much interesting as they were just kind of like, I don't even know what the hell I'm supposed to do here. But the other part, and this goes to the point of it, the game feels a little bit unfinished, is that map was ni- that, that match was 90 minutes long. I was playing against an AI. I couldn't save the game. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. I can I do mean, it. You can save outside of of the match in in the Galactic War, right? Just saves your progress. Yeah. yeah, 
But uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty insane, and it's also completely online as well. So if you start having some connection problems or the servers are just like you know a bit buggered, like uh, when I was playing on launch day, playing single player was just a mess. Um, I I just felt that it, it it seems I mean they I think they say they're gonna maybe have an offline mode. Um, I'm not sure, but again, then why not just wait for that to exist before launching it? Uh, there's obviously some reason it was pushed out, and because uh, it, uh, it, it is, it's, it was just pushed out before it's finished. So I feel exasperated with it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I wanted I'm, it to be I, better. I yeah, I feel like I'm here as like almost the defense council, but I can't really defend uh, an OC of button thing it's like i know i never needed it because i was uh, i didn't have much else to do but i mean like a, a lot of <laughs> a lot so of depressing. adult life i mean like a lot of adult life uh involves you being able to stop what you're doing at any time uh, and i think games are like uh increasingly dismissing the star button almost as a almost as a way of making you not stop playing like like um well i mean like in things like dark souls or whatever um it's it's part of the game, but uh, in like I don't know something like Destiny or something. I can't think of any strategy games that would be relevant to your audience. But <laughs> um, yeah, not being able to just stop and like even just to have a think about something <laughs> is uh, is is it's it it's forgivable for me, but I can see why like some people are yeah they they don't want a game like that. It they don't want to have to. It makes sense in that. something like Destiny though. Destiny, despite what Bungie say, is an MMO. Um, but Planetary Annihilation is a is a strategy game, and the Galactic War is completely single player. So not being able to to you know halt your progress because your house is burning down or something. <laughs> if, if it was that bad, you'd probably be okay just quitting and be like, well, I'm not fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to save mean, I think all like, of my possessions. Yeah, I think like maybe um, I, that, 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 that you cannot pause, that you cannot save, that you cannot like ever take a breath, that you cannot ever take a breath adds to the stressfulness of it. Absolutely. Um, but it's a very stressful game anyway, and I feel like, like, if they're, if they're going for a game that is about speed and urgency, putting in a pause is like almost counterintuitive. Um, that's like that's like my devil's advocate response <laughs> to it. <laughs> I don't necessarily believe what I just said, but that's maybe like what the developer would say. <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. We were founded by a bunch of Puritans, and I'm going to tell that devil, get right out of this podcast. Because <laughs> okay? we, we, we are going uh, to bring a little religion, a little godliness uh, to this discussion, and talk about how it is one of the commandments to allow players to be able to save their game in a strategy game that's going to go on for a long time. Uh, like, that, like, I get, yeah, there's, there's, a little bit of, there's a little bit of extra pressure when you badly got to go to the bathroom and you are in you know the you are in the 145th minute of like a six player match and like yeah. there's four people still in uh, yeah that is that is a high pressure situation but i'm not sure that's a good <laughs> that's not a good dilemma to be having um, 
you know, the thing is, like, if you look at, like, if you look at Sins of a Solar Empire, right? Uh, similarly, yeah. those games can go on just absolute ages. Any any game like this, where you sort of spread the map out this much, and there's this many defensive technologies, and the game tends towards stalemate this much, you're going to create really long games. Um, there's a very good chance of that happening. But then, why would you make it so that why would you make it so that right when like the game is at its best like people are like whipping planets at each other there's like artillery duels happening like clouds of transports are like just showering units on enemy bases all this cool shit that like looks like the trailer um like all this awesome stuff is happening and all you can think about is man this match better end in the next 10 minutes because i just I, like my bladder's about to explode like or or like I gotta, I gotta go to the doctor. Like I've I've had this appointment like coming up for like a month. I'm like oh shit. Like oh no he's got he's got anti nukes. Oh god. Oh no this can go on forever. Oh like that's that's kind of how I felt playing this game was like when it was at its best. I was also like boy I sure I sure would love to come back to this later. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. Right now it's it the end. Yeah, it definitely has its frustrations. Like uh, uh, on every. Like at every point in its globe, there is there is a frustration somewhere. But like I just find that the that the the challenge of it overcomes that for me. Um, and it's definitely not for anyone, or it's definitely not for everyone. It's definitely like to say it's a divisive game is almost an understatement. It's it's a it's a it's a game for a specific person, um, but. I don't know, like, I feel like you got to play it to feel whether or not that's you. Or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, watching the YouTube videos of it, it can only bring you so far, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I think... <laughs> but, okay, so I ended up giving it, like, a... I ended up giving it a 48 for IGN. And, uh, Fraser, you so gave So many it... numbers in IGN. Yeah, we we use the we use that whole scale. Um, yeah, just like you know, it, well, ours goes up to a hundred. Uh, yeah. So so it's better. Uh, no. <laughs> so I ended up giving it. A, ended up giving it forty eight. Uh, Fraser, you ended up giving it a sixty. Six. Yeah. A we six, don't use all hundred. We're, we're we're chill. I just pulled it up on Metacritic, and it does sort of seem like it's it. it there's a pretty wide score distribution mm. uh, on this game. So yeah, it is it is a very divisive game, and and uh, uh, Brandon, I think yours is. Uh, the most we just you yeah, gave it we, words. we don't we don't do numbers. <laughs> yeah. We I gave it some words, what but you I mean thought like was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to peel back the curtain a little bit on like the editorial process, like I didn't dislike this game that much. Like I kind of had fun with it. Like you know I, I enjoy like you you've heard me talking like I can enjoy the whole like firing giant artillery guns at each other and like just carpet bombing nukes on a planet until eventually the commander just kind of dies by mistake. Uh, that's you know that's that's kind of cool. It's nifty. And I, I wrote this review, and uh, the reviews editor over at IGN, Dan Stapleton, he was like, you know, your text says one thing, your score says another. 
And I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't like hate the game. And he was like, yeah, there's a lot of games that are out there that like aren't worth hating. Read your text. Like you didn't like the game. Like look at what you wrote about this game. And he's right. He was absolutely right. Like what this game had the the best this game where it ended up with this game is I found it like inoffensive enough, but really not all that special at all, and actually really inferior to a lot of the sources that it's working from. And that was ultimately kind of what killed me on that game, is I think if, if this game existed in a vacuum, and Planetary and, and uh, Supreme Commander weren't like $15 on Steam and still just an awesome game uh, and still just widely available, if this, if this were out there and like, hey, this is an RTS that you can play, and there are no other RTSs, like, don't worry about it. Like, they, they don't even enter the conversation. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty fun. Like, it's a little hard to control. But but it's pretty fun to like sort of be whipping around these planets and like look at all these silly units and like the cartoon robots doing battle. That's kind of cool. Like there's some there's problems, but whatever. But what, what what gets me is just like it's not in a vacuum. There there are these other games that like will offer you a better tutorial. There's these games that will offer you an actual campaign that will help you get into the game. There's games that will let you save. Um, and there's games like multiple factions and and a little more. You know, like that will be more manageable in terms of like how you how you navigate the map, and that kind of that's kind of what dragged me down the most on this game, is you know if the best I could say was like, yeah, I didn't I didn't really I didn't dislike it all that much, uh, but it just happens to be infer- inferior to about everything else I'd recommend uh, in this space, then then it, it's not then it, then I can't really say too much nice about the game because it's it's kind of a um washed out version of, of better games and that's and that's kind of where i ended up with it i feel it has potential though that's and and you know that's obviously in, you could say a lot of that about a lot of games that never actually reach that potential but there there's a spark in planetary annihilation that i find very compelling and when it comes to actually just playing it i did actually have a massive amount of fun. Um, I kind of feel like we're getting back to like what I said about uh, all that t- time ago with Rome 2 Total War, where despite all the problems, when it came down to it, I had an, a, a lot of fun with the game. Um, dog shit, Fraser. That game was dog shit. <laughs> even, even Creative Assembly have said as much. Like, read between the lines. We're releasing the Emperor edition. It's going to be the non-fucked up version of Rome. I'm doing it like a one-year-on thing on that, and I was like looking through all the changes on the Emperor edition. I'm like, this is the biggest patch that has ever been made. It's just changed the game. It's absurd. It- is my game just going to turn into the Emperor Edition, by the way? If you have the normal one, yes. If you have a review version only, no. I think I have the normal one, so... Yeah, I'm you okay. do. I'm pretty sure you do, because I've got I, I've got both. And on Steam, on my normal version, you come up as also owning it. But yeah, I, can't, I felt that just like that, it had so many problems, but it was also, you know, just actually playing it, I forgot about a lot of them. But then it is just it is sometimes more difficult to overlook because there are just basic things like tooltips and tutorials uh, and a, a save feature and offline mode, things like that that just should be there from launch and and still aren't and that is, that's massively disappointing. Yeah, I don't know, like it was it, it's definitely a game with flaws uh, the, the, the weird thing I found about it was that it was, it's an RTS game that I got 
noticeably much, much better at as I played. Um, on other RTS games, I will basically stay static the whole way through after I've learned it. I'll just, I'll just level out and I'll be that good. Like this was like an exponential rise in how good I was at the game. And whether that's because it's, it's so obtuse at the start, maybe. Um, but like it, also the feeling of that, the feeling of even being able to see my own improvement, even in like checking the stats after a match and checking like how many commands per second or whatever, like or you know how much metal you didn't waste during a match, or like using the was it the chrono cam like to to look back at like w what the enemy was doing at any one time. That after match stuff is very cool. Yeah, it's like really well woven in and like it's it's very esports. Um, mm -hmm. And that makes you feel almost athletic, if you can use that word to describe a game that you, that you, the most you're doing is clicking your mouse finger. Wait, look, um, when I get out of a when I get out of a three-hour game, I feel athletic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> feel exhausted. Yeah. Sweaty and with stiff fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we've. It's interesting. To have a, it's weird to have a show like this because it's like I feel like a lot of we agree on a lot of points. We just completely ended up in sort of different places <laughs> with regard to the game. Like we all saw the same game. We all fundamentally agree what the game is, uh, and then we just sort of value different things, uh, which is, is I think you know how it should go. But yeah, it's 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 interesting because. It, this uh, this is I think uh, this is I think a weird thing about like reviews, especially when you're scoring reviews, right? It, is like, you know, there's there's a lot of games out there that aren't actively terrible. There's a lot of you know what I mean. Like there's a lot of games that like everyone can recognize sort of when a game is just actively like just ruining your life, just like buggy, terrible, incomplete, not fun. This is this is not that. There's there's enough there that that I think is fun. Uh, that if, yeah, if it were just sort of a little more in a vacuum, uh, it, it would be it would be easy to recommend. And I do think, I do think that there was there was so much potential here, and I I feel like if they had made it a more feature rich game, and made it a little like worked to make it just a little more intuitive, uh, given you even more tools than they did to help you manage sort of this interplanetary war that happens every uh, every match. Uh, I, I think I'd have liked it quite a bit more. And for me, I think the, the big failing is just it's a little too Spartan. It feels a little too much like it's still an early access game and I'm not playing something that has had that last layer of like fit and finish. Yeah, you, uh, see, you see, like you say that like if it had been more feature rich for you, it would have been fine. But I like that it's I like that it's parsed down into like it, like I'm bad at multitasking and I'm bad at RTS and like that's always going to cripple me when I play a game like this. But um, to, that, what makes matters worse is if there's too many things to 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 go towards, to strive towards. The planetary annihilation only has like it definitely has a limited amount of avenues to go down. Uh, when you reach like the middle of the game, um, and you gotta pick one, and like that 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 is limited, uh, is really really appealing to me because like I can't play chess, but I can play Hive right, which is this like chess like game, where only the amount of moves that you can make is only ever like you know like five possible moves at a time or whatever, um, and like I like that because it's parsing down a more complex game into like a bite-sized 
chunk that I can that I can deal with at a time. So maybe it's maybe robots that that you can deal with more at at any time, and I can't. <laughs> and maybe like that. That's why I like that's why I like uh, uh, planetary annihilation because it doesn't it doesn't overwhelm me in terms of options. I don't know. I, I think it sounds a little bit like I also just want a more polished corporate product, and maybe you're more indie than I am. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm the suit, sort of being like, well, the 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 bottle service at this restaurant was terrible, um, and and you're kind of showing up with like your you know your cigarettes and your ripped jeans and being like, fuck it, I don't need a safe feature, <laughs> indie. Um, yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up for our discussion of planetary annihilation. I hope that helps you uh, make up your mind if you're on the fence about this game. I think we can give it a resounding, yeah, not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there, there, there's, there is much to like. There's a lot of potential there, and uh, it's there's, you know, there, there's obviously some areas where we definitely feel uh, things could have been vastly improved. How important those uh, issues are to you, uh, only you can judge. There's one last thing I wanted to mention uh, before we let you go here. Um, if you haven't been following us on Twitter, or uh, if you don't follow uh, Tom Chick's Quarter to Three website. Um, we got a bit of bad news about our friend Tom Chick. Uh, he is dealing with stage four throat cancer, and he's going to be stepping back from his own podcast over a quarter to three uh, while he deals uh, with this illness. He explains it on the recent uh, quarter to three uh, films films podcast. Um, and he goes into a little detail about his prognosis, um, and it actually sounds, uh, his prognosis actually does sound good, there is no denying this is a very serious health situation uh, for Tom. Um, and so our friend Stephanie Shop, who's one of the best PR people in the business, uh, she started a GoFundMe uh, for Tom to help him give a little extra to help him get a little extra cash as he deals with this. Um, I have no privileged information about you know wh where Tom is at with you know financially or anything like that. Uh, but I do know you know if just speaking as a freelancer, um, there's there's a very good chance that you know a little spending a little extra spending cash to cover uh, you know some unforeseen expenses or just cover all his bases as he's his ability to do work uh, you know takes a back seat right now. A little extra spending cash uh, probably wouldn't go awry uh so if you look up uh the, the title of the gofundme is fundgate uh tom chick beats cancer um and you can find that on gofundme.com and the code for it uh so it'll be gofundme.com slash e x c v k o uh that'll there will be a link in the uh, comments thread on this podcast but again uh, that is gofundme.com slash Echo, X-Ray, Charlie, Victor, Kilo, October. Uh, so that will take you right to Tom's uh, GoFundMe, and we're going to see if we can get him a little extra cash to help him uh, you know, not have to worry about any sort of financial stuff while he's going through this. He can just focus on uh, you know, getting better and getting back to work. Uh, so obviously all our thoughts are going out to our friend Tom. And... Um, yeah, just you know, any sort of donation that you can make, uh, I'm sure, uh, will not go awry. Um, well, it'll probably go into cat food and coffee, uh, if I'm being honest. But still, those things are important too. Uh, so yeah, if any help for any any help you can give to Tom uh, is much appreciated from all of us here at Three Moves Ahead. Um, that'll do it for our show today. Fraser and Brendan, thank you so much for your morning. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks for meeting me early this morning to go over this game.
Thank you. Thanks very much. All right, and that'll do it for now. Uh, until next week, this has been Three Moves Ahead. Good night.